start chapter 29 significance and power of vibhuti <clears throat> in this chapter the great power of the holy ashes is further explained the mere touch of holy ash on the body of sage vamdev the maharakshasa got him liberated if you are having a disturbance you have to tell me huh? then i will have to shift somewhere else that is vibhuti dharana's mantra the one who spreads a fragrance of vibhuti around himself and all around who fosters the well worldly well being as well as the spiritual well being of all of all that three eyed lord him i worship o you the supreme one like the ripened cucumber which severs itself from the creeper and drops off grant release from me from birth from the unending cycle of birth and death but pray never cause severance from me from immortalities and may i ever abide in the awareness of thee siddha yogi continued the narrative to namdarak as follows sri vikram bharati requested sri narsimha saraswati to enlighten him about bhasma mahima and how it possesses such great power as they just witnessed in the matang episode sri narsimha saraswati then narrated the following anecdote there used to be one yogi called vamdev he used to smear his body always with bhasma his hair was matted and he used to wear the bark of tree for his garment he was a very exalted yogi he had won over all the human frailties sublimated his senses and conquered the six inner enemies that is satripus like dislikes likes dislikes greed delusion ego and pride envy and jealousy uh, we had written about this uh, i mean there was a, um, actually there are eight in number so i had written about it in uh, if you see it in my book also it is there all right which enslaves man he was fully realized soul and a brahmanyani he used to always be wandering visiting holy places one day he came to kroncharnya that is a forest the forest was full of wild beasts there were also ghosts and the brahma rakshasa inhabiting the forest one brahma rakshas noticed vamdev entering the forest and he was very happy that he would be having great good feast and the body of the yogi he fell upon him with a view of eating him up but vamdev was least perturbed and remained steady and calm the contact with the bhasma on the body of vamdev brought an instant and a total transformation to the brahma rakshasa he was totally changed rid of the demonic nature by the contact with the bhasma he prayed to vamdev to free him from the cycle of birth and death he told vamdev that by the mere contact with bhasma he gained the memory of all his past 25 births he started recounting them to vamdev the brahma rakshasa said that he was actually a king of yavandesh and he had very vicious and a lustful nature he led a very sensuous life running after women always without any decency compunction and con- consideration his sins crossed all bound- bounds and limits in an encounter with the enemy king he was killed he was dragged to the court of yama he was subjected to great torture in hell and later he had to take several births only because of his sins he was born as a tiger in one birth as a wolf in the second birth as a dog in the third birth as a camel in the fourth as a monkey in the fifth then as a cat thereafter as a tortoise and then as a frog and so on he had suffered much all of his very own making though now the mere touch with bhasma had so much soothed his soul that never before he felt such great peace he further said that his hunger which was never got satiated normally however many animals or persons he might eat was not totally appeased and that he was feeling a great sense of peace and happiness 
he prayed that he should be enlightened as to how the Bhasma came to possess such great redeeming powers. Vamdev told the Rakshasa that the power of Bhasma is beyond all descriptions and it is beyond the comprehension of any except of Lord Shiva. Shiva only knows, he alone knows fully the glorious power of Bhasma. That is why Shiva smears his whole body always with Bhasma. Vamdev told that there lived once a Brahmin in Dravidesha. He took to bad ways of life. He took to theft. Once when he was committing a theft, he was caught and beaten up. He died and his body was thrown in the cemetery. In the cemetery at that time, a dog was sitting in the Chitta Bhasma, that is, ashes of a burnt corpse. That dog saw the body of the dead Brahmin and came and sat on the body, sniffing it all over. As it was so doing so, the Chitta Bhasma from its body fell over the body of the corpse. No sooner did the Chitta Bhasma fall over the body of the corpse that the Sivadutas appeared over there, shopping the Yamadutas who has always come there to take away the jiva of the evil man. A dispute arose between the servants of Yama and Shiva. The guards of Yama were claiming the jiva because the sins committed by the man were countless. And the place he deserved was nowhere else but hell. But the Sivaduta said that there would be a touch of bhasma on the body. All his sins, however heinous they might have been, have been burnt off and expiated. It is Lord Shankara's command that whenever they see a dead person's body with bhasma, smeared on the forehead or even on any part of the body, they should fetch the jiva to Kailash. Thus saying, the Sivaduta snatched away the jiva from the young Duta's hands and took it away to Kailash. When they had reported the by Yamaduta to Lord Yama, the letter went to Shiva in anger and complained to him about the intrusion, high-handedness and interference of Sivadutas, preventing his servant from discharging their duties and carrying out the justice. He complained how could dharma be protected and the rule of law enforced by him in the world under such circumstances. Shiva then told Yama that Bhasma dharma is the highest dharma and it annuls and supersedes all other codes and injunctions of dharma. He told Yama Dharmaraj to tell his servants that they should abstain from approaching the bodies of the dead smeared with or wearing the mark of Bhasma. Such was the Mahima of Bhasma, said Vamdev to Brahmarakshas. The Rakshasa requested Vamdev to teach and explain to him the Vasmadhar Dharana Vidhi. Vamdev explained the same through another anecdote. Once Lord Shiva and Parvati went to Mandara mountains. All the gods, Rishis, Apsaras, Gandharvas, Yakshas, Kinnaras, Rudragan and Shivdutas came and assembled over there. Lord Shiva was seated on this throne. By his side was seated Mother Parvati. Golden in complexion and bedecked in the richest jewellery, and adorned with beautiful flowers, she was radiating all splendor. All were absorbed in the ecstasy of the darshan of the divine couple, the mother and the father of the universe. Sanat Kumar Rishi prayed to Shiva to teach him the Dharma Vidhi, which will be simple to be observed by all and yet will confer all the four Purushartha, that is the four chief aims of life, Dharma, Artha, Kama and Moksha, and which will destroy all the sins, endure bodily and mental purity, and also intellectual illumination. Lord Shiva said, there is one dharma vidhi, which is simple and can be followed by each and every one, and which will confer all good and save men from all the ills of the world. The vidhi is called Tripundra Bhasma Dharana Vidhi. The Bhasma is symbolic of the ultimate truth of all the matters. It is spiritual significance in that it is changeless, immutable like Godhead. It is colorless or white, so to say indicating purity. 
in Jalabdo Upanishad Bhashmavidhi is described in great detail. Agni is the presiding deity of Bhasma. The ash from the sacrificial fire is most sacred. In the absence of it, ash prepared from cow dung is to be used. A little of ash is to be taken reciting the Sadhajyota mantra while reciting the Manastoka mantra. A little water is to be added and mixed in it at the head of the thumb. Then chanting the Trambayakam Yajmahe mantra, it is to be taken near the forehead. And while reject, reciting Tharayayusham Jamagdane mantra, the same is to be applied in three lines, that is Tripundra Dharana. First, with the aid of the middle and the ring finger, two lines are to be applied. The top one and the bottom are from the left to the right. Then with the aid of the thumb, the middle line is to be applied, drawing it from right to left. The marks are not even to extend beyond the sides of the eyebrows. With devotion, these marks are to be always worn on the forehead. The first line is Brahma Devta and is symbolic of the Rig Veda. It is denoted by A. It endows Kriya Shakti. The second line is Vishnu Devta and is symbolic of Yajurveda. It is denoted by U. It endows Ichha Shakti. The third line is Maheshwara himself and is symbolic of the Samaveda. It is denoted by Ma. It endows Jnana Shakti. Bhasma dharana can be done by one and all, and during all the stages of life, it will cure all the ills of the body, mind and spirit. It ensures mental purity, intellectual illumination and spiritual enlightenment in this life. And in the life beyond, it opens up the gates of Kailasha for him, which is the eternal abode of supreme peace and beatitude. Lord Shiva himself said that by destroying one's sin, there is nothing comparable to doing Bhasma dharana, but it should be done with full faith and devotion. For one who applies ash on his forehead and wears the Rudrakshamara on his neck, there will be nothing wanting for him either in this life or in the life beyond. That was what Lord Shiva explained to Sanat Kumar Rishi and all the assembled sages. Hearing the divine glory of Bhasma, the Rakshasa sought the Bhasma from Vamdev and applied it to upon himself. His Rakshasa form totally changed and he got a new splendorous body. A divine vehicle came and took him away to Kailash. Thus ends the 29th chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing the Bhasma Mahima. Glory to the All-Merciful, the Omnipresent and the Ever-Responsive Guru Nanak. Now in this chapter, there are stories and stories and stories. So let us see what these stories are all talking about. The Bhasma Mahima or the story of the Bhasma is something that is related to Shiva because Shiva is connected to the end. Basically, he is talking about destruction. Destruction happens and everything goes back to earth, goes back to where it came from. So, the cycle is completed. At the end of the cycle, it is Shiva who brings everything to destruction. That is means to the end. Basma, whose deity is Agni. Agni means the one who is going to do the digestion the one who is going to do the sacrifice, the one who is performing the yajna. The yajna is performed by means of Agni. Any kind of yajna that is performed requires Agni as the one which continues it and converts everything into Bhasma. Now Bhasma is that which is found once you have completed the Vidhi at the end of it all. It's the same thing when you are seeing some object in your eye. The end of it, the end, the final result of it is nothing but that which comes out of it. That means what we put in 
is completely assimilated it is digested assimilated and that which comes out of it is called sattva sattva means that which is very very powerful or that which is very very nutritious even in our body when we eat something yes when we eat something that which goes inside finally gets digested in the digestion part what comes out of it are the essential ingredients in the form of proteins carbohydrates minerals salts so on and so forth they are used for by the body anybody any body that is destroyed is finally burnt when it is burnt or it is brought back to the ashes level when it is brought back to the ashes level all the elements are in their original form in the sense that everything is finally brought to dust that is the air has escaped when you burn something the air has escaped correct the water has gone back to water that means it has evaporated the space which was occupied by that body is destroyed think about it if you are eating a fruit or a vegetable the fruit or the vegetable has destroyed itself the space the occupation of the space is completely gone isn't it an apple which was an apple was occupation of the space called an apple but when it goes in the form of digestion it is completely gone so agni is the one who is converting it into these different different objects so you will find that the space has disappeared like that four elements have all gone what is left behind is called the earth element the earth element is that from which bodies get created the physical body gets created so it is in the purest form the purest form is the earth form so you will find that even if you pick up a little earth when you touch the feet of the lord or the guru what are you actually doing you are touching the dust of the feet isn't it the dust of the feet contains the last ingredient that is the fifth one which is called dust or ash and this ash contains the three basic ingredients again it in it which is first from the ash will come the new birth so brahmadev exists in it in the first one second one is sustainability arises and the third one is shiva so the three when you apply it this way and this way the thumb in the middle and the two fingers crossed out it talks about the three layers also it talks about the three parts of the a u and m it talks about the higher middle and the lower these are the three levels which is ruled by brahmadev brahma ji vishnu and maheshwara now you will find that even the vedas come into the picture the three vedas have been mentioned over there same way the vedas also come into the picture finally those who understand how shiva is decorated it is always with that three lines isn't it the three lines and one dot in the center the center is the timber tim basically it's the creative energy 
what we have missed out over there is the essential part of it the essence essential essence part is there that is in the form of the bindu bindu is where the whole thing is expanding out into now this became all technical in nature in the real world what happens is when we are using the bhasma when you will find you know they have put bhasma all over the body some of these yogis who have put bhasma all over the body you must have seen even during the kumbha mela and all you will find all those pictures are there of yogis who have smeared bhasma that comes from the burial ground the one from the burial ground in which the bodies have been burnt is the purest form because it contains everything that that body had has been reduced to ashes what remains is the pure thing so when you apply that to the body i i wouldn't advise you to do that because first and foremost to go to the burial ground and get that kind of ash is difficult we will be scared sit <laughs> going over there but when all these yogis are doing it it is the highest form of yoga highest form of yoga the application of the bhasma first the most important part is what when you apply that it talks about renunciation ascetism yes it, it renunciation you have renounced everything there is nothing in the world that you are holding on to nothing you are not holding on to anything in this world you have actually renounced everything in the world there is nothing in this world which is which you want and you will find that most of these yogis that you find you know if you see they are naga babas have you seen them you know in, uh, in the naga baba means completely naked they are only having the ash smeared on their entire body even shivji always goes around like this only they are completely smeared with ash and you can actually only see their eyes or when they open their mouth you can see the red tongue on that but the rest of it they completely covered in ash this is the highest form of like padma has written ascetism yes they are ascetics of the highest order they do not have any wants desires needs or anything like that it is one of the methodologies employed by the believers of shaivism all right the devotional aspect is not there in that here the devotion will come much later what we follow basically is love and devotion which is a path completely different than this we are not renouncing anything in our world are you renouncing anything in love and devotion you don't renounce anything you are just in love and just you are you have devotion for the divine that is all but this particular chapter is about bhasma you will find that baba used to sai baba used to also give little bhasma to everybody it is udi as we call it uh, this udi has got those properties which when he used to burn it in the dhuni you know the square place where he would bring the wood blocks and he would put it over then and continuously it was burning day and night for many 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 years even today it is burning this dhuni the ash is taken and then it is given as prasad when i started i told you no anything that you eat is converted into the essence or what we call as the sattva so this prasad the it he used to call it udi prasad 
and so now i hope you have understood the importance of this vibhuti or as we call it as udhi so we will do the next chapter which is vairagya bodh this is chapter 30 from the guru charitra this chapter describes the story of a young woman savitri and the death of her sick husband whom she brought all the way from her far away home for gurunath's darshan with the great hope of recovery siddhamuni continued the narrative of namdarak describing the glorious accounts of the leelas of gurunath gurunath's name and fame had increased day by day and it started spreading over the whole country people from all regions even from the furthest part of india started visiting gangapur for gurunath's darshan and for seeking his blessings whoever came and went back with their hearts filled with great satisfaction and a sense of fulfillment in life and with peace and joy everyone returned with a deep conviction that gurunath though physically staying at gangapur is ever with them wherever they may be living and is ever providing the protection without his call none can ever think of going to gangapur for his darshan and without his will none will be able to visit the place and have the audience with him his love is like the love of a thousand mothers whoever visits there will have all the aspirations fulfilled and the grievances redressed so that they might put all these people to much test during the process they lived in the town of mahur a brahmin who was quite well to do and rich his name was gopinath his wife gave birth to many children but none of them survived they prayed fervently to lord dattatreya that they may have at least one son he responds to the faith and prayers they had a son born again whose name was datta after the name of lord dattatreya with whose blessings he was born the boy was very healthy and free from all ailments the parents were very happy when the boy was 5 years old his third ceremony was performed when he was 16 years of age he was married to a girl whose name was savitri and who was very beautiful the young couple was leading a very happy life after 4 years of happy married life the young man unfortunately fell seriously ill the parents consulted many vaidyas and tried various treatments bearing a lot of expenses but there was no improvement in his condition in fact it was deteriorating day by day the young wife thought that if she would take her husband to gangapur and pray to sri narsimha saraswati his life would be saved she felt that it was his only hope for her she also expressed the same to her parents in law they did not want to stand in her way they were very distressed and worried that the boy's condition was becoming more and more critical all the medical treatment proving to no avail they also felt that only his divine grace if at all anything could save their son and that they should be let their daughter in law do whatever she felt was the best course the young wife told her husband that she would like to take him all pilgrimage to gangapur for sri narsimha saraswati's darshan and that would certainly restore his health the young man with tears in his eyes started saying how distressed he was not for the illness but considering that he had not been able to give her any happiness and had to see her toiling all the time looking after him and his needs savitri reassured her husband that she was very happy in doing service to him and was prepared to make sacrifices so that he will be recovered soon from the ailment she said that troubles do come in life as per one's karma no one can escape it altogether but with divine grace it would be possible to overcome it she said she had all hopes that narsimha saraswati would rid him of the illness by his grace and would shower his blessings on them 
comforting his parents in law telling them not to worry at all and assuring that she would certainly bring her husband back to them safe and sound and fully restored in health soon she set out to her pilgrimage to gangapur along with her husband the couple after great difficulty reached the outskirts of gangapur and although the wife was very exhausted she was highly elated that she should reach the holy precincts she left her husband in a place nearby asking him to rest and saying that meanwhile she would go to the town first and find out the whereabouts of gurunath and would come back to take him along with her for darshan she went to the town and was told that sri gurunath had gone to the sangam she came back to the place where she left her husband for rest alas the husband because of exhaustion of the journey possibly accentuating his sickness meanwhile collapsed and died she was aghast and broke down completely with grief Savitri was not able to withstand the situation. She started crying aloud. I brought my husband away from the parents, telling them that with Narasimha Saraswati's grace, I would bring him back to them, restored fully in health. What can I do now? What can I tell them? How can I ever face them? Everything for me is dark and dismal, and there is no way out of except death along with my husband. She was furious at Guru Nath and started shouting. You have belied all my hopes. All my faith in you has been misplaced. You have cheated me. Before I end my life, I will tell everybody and proclaim to all how you betrayed me and my hopes. I fancied that you were Mangal Murthy. Instead, you have proved to be very opposite. You are heartless. After giving vent to her wrath against Guru Nath, she felt the body of her husband and burst and sobbed again and sobbed again. Oh, my beloved, why have you left me? Didn't you know how much I loved you? You are dearest to me. How can I live a moment without you? Meanwhile, the people nearby, seeing the sad event, gathered around and were trying to console her. At this juncture, Sri Guru Nath himself, in the guise of a tapasvi, with rakshamala around his neck and the whole body smeared with vibhuti, holding a trishula in hand, appeared there. He also started comforting and consoling her. He told her, "Who can escape prarabdha karma? Death is inevitable for whomsoever is born." some die early and some die later but none can escape death what is delusion is life how deluding are all family relationships wife and husband father and children it's all maya a scene from the for a wife two logs of wood floating separately in a stream come close to one another and float together for a while again drift apart and float again separately each going on its own there is no permanent relationship at all between two people if one has his or her destiny to suffer each according to his or her karma or her past life his or her past life in life the only certainty is death and of what avail is bemoaning the inevitable and inescapable we have to accept things as they come and reconcile ourselves to the inevitable yet at the same time we should not forget the higher purpose of life and the ultimate goal and should strive to attain it irrespective of whatever calamities befall us in life gurunath's presence and especially his words soothed her heart a little a sense of reconciliation to her face and prepared fate and a preparedness to fate face the events with courage came upon her she prayed to gurunath to tell her what she should do and explain about stri dharma after one loses her husband Thus ends the thirtieth chapter of Sri Guru Sarvatra. Describe the Pratangana Shloka. Shlok. Glory to the All Merciful, the Omnipresent, and the Ever Responsive Guru Nanak. We will do the next one because it's a short one. So it was a story where 
the devout couple they have come to this place and he has lost his life so now guru nanak is going to explain something to her so we will see chapter 31 supreme power of chastity this chapter deals with pativrata dharma the duties and the disciplines of a married woman siddhamuni continued with the narrative to namdhara Savitri, after having calmed down a little, requested the tapasvi to tell her about the duties of a woman in a family life and also her duties after she is widowed. She wanted him to give her guidance and enlighten her on Sri Dharma and the Achar, the duties and the code of conduct for women. Thereupon, the tapasvi narrated the following. Once there lived in the city of Kashi, the great Agatsya Rishi. His wife's name was Lopamudra. She was like Anusuya in her chastity and was the most ideal wife. Agatsya was renowned for his astuteness, austerities and for his spiritual knowledge, wisdom and prowess. Once Narad Muni paid a visit to mountain kingdom Vidyachal. Narad Rishi praised Vidyachal for his great qualities. He however added that the Meru mountain, though inferior to the Vindhya in his grandeur, yet because of his height is ranked as superior and is called the sovereign of mountains. Vindhyachal took it at heart and then started growing taller and taller, almost touching the size like the Meru mountain. The result of this was that sunlight was not reaching the southern region plunging it into darkness. People were not able to perform their Nitya Vidhis and thereby Indra and the other gods were deprived of the daily offering which people have to make. The gods therefore along with the Rishis approached Brahma Dev and prayed to him to find a remedy for this. If Nitya Vidhis are not performed it will disturb the harmony of the cosmos and evil will befall the people and the world. Brahma Dev advised them to go to Agatsya Rishi and requested him to do something in the matter as Vidyachal was disciple of Agatsya Rishi and was greatly devoted to him. Indra and the Rishis came to Agatsya Ashram at Kashi. They explained to him the plight in the southern region. Agatsya agreed to help them in the matter. Agatsya went to Vidyachal seeing his Guru. Master Vidyachal bent down to offer his obeisance to the Guru. Agatsya said that he was going on a pilgrimage to some of the holy places in the southern region and he Vidyachal should remain in the same position till he returned. Vidyachal said that he would be happy to do whatever command his guru would give him. Agatsya crossed over to the south, thereby opening the blocked way for the sun. Agatsya saved the gods thus and restored the well-being and prosperity to the southern region and its people. Agatsya Rishi's wife was an example of all women. All the gods and even Brahaspati acclaimed Lupamudra as peerless and as an ideal for women at all times. Now the Tapasvi recounted to Savitri what Brahaspati said to the Rishis, describing the duties of a married woman taking the example of Lopamudra. He said for a woman the husband is the god. Service to him should take all priority and precedence in woman's duties. The husband should be considered and worshipped as god himself. Husband's Padatirtha, that is the water used to wash the feet of the husband is even more sacred for a woman than Vishnu Tirtha. She should never disobey him, should faithfully and respectfully obey all his commands, whatever they be. All the household duties will have to be faithfully discharged and all the Shastric injunctions like Athiti Puja etc. are to be done by the wife and to bring a good nature to the name to the husband. She should respect and serve her husband's parents as her own parents, even if the husband is afflicted with disease or whatever difficulties befall him, she should share the sufferings and serve him with love and dedication. The Tapasvi said that when the woman loses her husband, there are the Shastric injunctions as to the disciplines of life she should strictly observe. She should realize that with her husband's loss, she should take too many austere disciplines. Thus ends the 31st chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing Pativrata Nirupan. Glory to the All-Merciful, the Omnipresent and the Ever-Responsive Guru Nath. 
I think we we don't have the time, do we? Because the story is continuing. So should I continue? Is that okay? All right. I have already told you all the story of Lopamudra sometime earlier. Lopamudra's story is really worth hearing. She was a far greater tapasvini compared to her husband because she was one of the greatest warriors that taught Parshuram how to fight. Also one of his gurus. <clears throat> Triumph over death with Guru's grace. Chapter 32. This chapter describes how Savitri's husband regained his life by Guru Nath's grace. Siddhamuni continued with the narrative. The Tapasvi described to Savitri all the duties that pertaining to woman in all the family life. He also described the duties that pertain to her after one loses the husband. He said that a woman who has lost her husband will have to adjust herself to a new situation. In grief in olden times, woman used to enter the funeral pyre along with the husband's body, which is called Sati or Sahagamana. Thus, believed, they believed that life with one's husband was a relationship of continuous companionship, not only in this world but in the life beyond as well. It denoted both worldly as well as actually even more spiritual companionship between wife and the husband. According to belief, a Pativrata who mounted the funeral pyre along with the husband's body certainly attained liberation. <clears throat> but it is intended to be totally voluntary and subjective act undertaken wholeheartedly. It is not to be a matter to be forced upon the woman, but one based on the conviction and her own volition and choice. This is no longer followed because it is not even sanctioned by the law as of now. So, we have to just forego that. The exemptions or exceptions provided for reading Sahagamana. A woman carrying and a nursing mother were forbidden to take that. If a widow chooses to live her life as per Shastric injunctions and traditions, she was not needed to take. She would live a pure and austere life during the widowhood. She was supposed to earn as much merit as she would have got through it. <coughs> the, the disciplines to be observed by a widow as per the Shastric injunctions or traditions were described by the Tapasvi. She is not supposed to wear the headdress hair. She was expected to take meal only once a day, observe Chandrayaan Vrata that is increase and decrease her food intake as per the Kalas, kalas of the moon, restrict the food and give up the comforts of life to go whichever extent possible, take to austere habits, occasionally go on pilgrimage to holy places, perform tarpan. And she is without a son, observe the bathing rituals in the month of Vaishak, Mag and Kartika, offer Gritidan, that is <coughs> Jalkumbadan and Deepdan. That is food, clothes, fruits, etc. in the name of her husband in charity to Brahmins, discard bangles and wear white sari, take only to subordinate position in the household, abstain from demanding too much from exercising her authority and abide by the will of her son, who of course was expected to revere and love her as a dutiful son and respect her wishes. It was understood that the woman should surrender and transfer the responsibilities of the household to her son and the daughter-in-law and devote more time to the memory of her husband and the contemplation of God. All this today does not seem to be of much relevance because this being the Kali Yuga, the entire thing has now shifted and switched over to completely a different form. So, as of now, I would not recommend this which is mentioned over here. In the above way, Sri Sesh Bahaspati narrated the, all the Pativrata Acharya Dharma to the Rishis and the God who have assembled in the Agatsya Ashram. And now the Tapasvi. 
recounted the same to the woman who had lost her husband and who sought advice and guidance to the duties and the modes of life for the woman in a different stages of life thus the tapasvi tried to console and comfort her in the bereavement and advised her to pick up courage to face the irretrievable situation and pursue her duties as ordained by the for women but ever remembering the transitoriness of all life and the eternity of the spirit the woman was very much touched by the solicitude of the tapasvi for her ultimate welfare she expressed to him that her mind was very much pacified and she profusely thanked him for dispelling her ignorance and freeing her from all the meshes of the illusions of mundane life she told him that he was her all mother father and god he however said in a determined and a resolute manner that she had chosen to do sagamana along with the body of her husband the tapasvi gave her bus man told her to besmear the husband's forehead with it he gave her four rudrakshas to be tied to the husband's ear and the body before it is consigned to flame She is also asked to perform the Maharudra Abhishek before the cremation and thereafter visit the Sangam and seek the blessing of Guru Nanak there before the final ceremony. The woman now got all the preparations done for the funeral and the sahagamana. She invited the priests and asked them to start the funeral sacraments with the chant of the prescribed mantras. She took her bath, adorned herself with all her ornaments and the bright red kumkum mark on the forehead. She took the dead near the river carrying the fire in her hand. All the men and women of Gangapur gathered there. Hearing of the sad event, they were all moved to tears because the woman was so young, hardly 16 years of age, and so beautiful. They were trying to persuade her not to do the sahagamana, saying that it was not proper. They said for a young girl of her age, she was almost child still. But the woman adamantly stuck to her resolve. She got the firewood piled up. She called the suvasinis there and gave away whatever she had. She requested them to bless her and further sent word to her in-laws that her husband and herself were doing very well at Gangapur, and none should let them know the truth as it would break their hearts. When she was about to mount the funeral pyre, she may remember suddenly the instructions of the tapasvi. She tried the rudraksha given to him, the three, two of the earlobes and two to the chest of the husband's body. She applied the bhasma on her forehead, then she rushed to the sangam to seek Gurunath's blessing before taking to sangamana as prescribed. previously advised by the tapasvi the woman approached sangam and saw gurunath seated under the audamba tree she felt prostrate at his feet the guru blessed that she should be the mother of good children satputra pratta prapti rastu the people who accompanied her told gurunath that she had lost her husband and she had come to him to seek blessing for her sagaman along with her husband's body sinarsimha saraswati told them to bring the dead body to him at the sangam The body was brought just at that time four brahmins came there to offer their worship to Sri Narsimha Saraswati Gurunath asked the brahmins to sprinkle charan teerth of the on the dead body that was done and lo the dead body rose to life as if from sleep the revived man noticed his wife whose face lit up with wonder and joy at seeing the unbelievable and asked her how that happened to be there the woman told all that had happened and how gurunath retrieved retrieved him from the realm of death and restored to her the mangal mangalya and thus protected the lives of both of them both of them fell at the feet of gurunath's feet and bathed them with these tears which was welling from the innermost depth of their heart thus ends the 32nd chapter of sri guru charitra describing how fate triumphed over death gurunath's grace glory to the all merciful the omnipresent and the ever responsive gurunath now now the four rudraksha and the, the whole story of that rudraksha will be done on hopefully on monday uh, i shall connect with you all but before that i will explain the part 
that is a tree raining not the rain <laughs> see bangs on the yeah he is tali baja raha hai bol raha hai ki khatam ho gaya acha ho gaya four chapters okay <laughs> okay this basically the story is all about faith isn't it the woman has faith the dead body is lying over there there were two two lines in this in the last three chapters which describe something very strange it talked about once the karma is there that is called prarabdha karma prarabdha karma is that which you have to go through if the prarabdha karma states that the person has is supposed to die at that particular juncture he is supposed to die there are no two ways about it okay but the faith in the guru is what has turned the whole thing around many a times people really wonder when the guru is performing these kind of things in his world you will wonder whether it is going against the vein of the prarabdha karma isn't it prarabdha karma is one straight line it has to happen like that it is anyway going to happen there are no two ways about it what is destined is anyway going to happen then where is the guru coming into the picture and changing the whole scene the act has to complete the act has to complete understand this the completion of the act has to happen only the effect contained in the act will be reduced or will be taken completely taken away let me give you an example the action called death is supposed to happen so the person died that is the end of the entire cycle of life and death so prarabdha came to an end there is a full stop in the prarabdha now what happens is the next way thing that happens is the body again comes back to life by the grace of the guru this is not connected to the first by the way this is completely in the domain of the guru the guru has changed something which is not connected to the past he has what he has done is he has altered the current situation that is connected to the future not to the past did you understand this the past is not there at play past is prarabdha karma which has happened which is completed finished let us say for example you are supposed to meet with an accident fall down and meet with a accident that is destined you will fall down but with the grace of the guru the fall will be completed yet the after effects of the fall will not be there that means you will be cradled you will be held in the arms of the guru you will not suffer the amount that you are supposed to suffer the suffering will be far reduced so this is the way in which the gurus actually change the entire effect of it remember there is a cause and then there is an effect the cause is the prarabdha karma it is supposed to have certain effect the effect is what death or something that something is anyway going to happen but it will be the effect the after effect of that is going to get changed why because the future which is called agami is now completely 
Do you remember I have always told you that the two things which the Guru can control? One is Sanchit, that is the accumulated and the second one is Agami, futuristic. These two things are under the control of Guru. The current karma that is called prarabdha, you have to go through. There are no two ways about it. So in these three, three, four chapters that we have done, we have done one story in continuation which will still continue in the next chapter which we will do in another few days. But the part called prarabdha has to be born by that person. There are no two ways about it. Alright, so what is there destined for you is anyway going to happen. The future that is Agami or Sanchit which is the accumulated is not under the domain of that physical body. Do you remember that story where he turned into tiger, into donkey, into this, into that, into frog and so on and so forth. It was mentioned the Brahma Rakshasa was talking about it, the first story that we did. So that first story is talking about his entire life cycle. He has to go through it. Has to go through it. So what is destined is what is going to anyway you have to go through it. Even if you are God Almighty, even if you are Sri Ram, your wife is going to get kidnapped. So she is going to get kidnapped. There are no two ways about it. You think by doing one magic like this, she is going to come back? No, it is not going to happen. Same way Krishna is not going to do one like this and Mahabharat doesn't happen. Our audience will get into trouble, no? So <laughs> Mahabharat has to happen. It is Prarabdha Karva. It is about to happen. So understand what has to be will anyway be. Effect can be reduced, effect can be changed, the, the what comes later can be altered. So remember this. What is destined is anyway going to happen. So I hope you understood. The stories are simple and we shall continue with the same story again in the next chapter about Rudraksha and all that. So if you have any questions you can ask me.